now, Super Smash Brothers is looking rather promising. I know. How about I get our own little slice of the cake? We put in our own IP. <laughs> Send whatever blank checks you need to Nintendo to convince them. Because with enough time, it will all belong to the House of Mouse. Hey everybody, this is the Inciting Moment Podcast. Uh, my name's Ian. Uh, who else here is with me? Hi, I'm Sam, and what you just witnessed was my sleep paralysis demon. Yeah, I, I'm James, and I'm kind of concerned. I'm Scott, and I'm very scared. Help. Ah, you very much should be, because who knows what's going to be happening for the future of Nintendo, because uh, if we are going to be starting off on anything... Uh, Smash Bros. final DLC character has come out. There's some talk on the street about that. Were we expecting Sora from Kingdom Hearts to be the final character? I had a feeling. When the Mayans predicted the end of the world would be 2012, they were wrong. They flipped it. It's 2021. Oh, jeez. Oh. <laughs> so this is the beginning of the end. Oh, you're makes right! Sense. This is it. Kingdom Hearts will be unlocked and we will all die. Nothing sacred no. anymore. <clears throat> I mean, to be fair, it, I kind of agree with Scott. It, it's not, it wasn't necessarily that Sora was easy to see, but it's it makes sense in hindsight because it's the last, quote-unquote, last DLC character. So why not go big? And the yeah. last Smash game. Well, I don't know if it's the last one, but it's definitely the biggest one. That is something I heard, and I am a little, uh, a little skeptical about that claim, but... Uh... If I had to kind of share my own thoughts with Sora being the final character, um, much like you guys were saying, I uh, I can see it. It sort of is a no-brainer in my mind, anyway, to make him the final character. A, a better choice than fucking Goku, like all those years. Mm -hmm. Sora is a character I, I would have always wanted. Like, I love that guy. Kingdom Hearts is one of my favorite series. I did not think that they'd go through the hoops to get him. Because holy crap, the legal right. like discussions wait. must have been mm. yeah. Wait, crazy. Wait, hold on, hold on. We like Kingdom Hearts in this podcast. I do. <laughs> uh, I know you can think less of me for it, but yes, I do. Yeah, you know, I will save my judgments for a later podcast. Oh, well. uh, yes, Kingdom Hearts is a topic that, on the uh, off the record, we have discussed potentially talking about but each time we do we we only infuriate ourselves and we realize that maybe it's best that we don't no but the thing is i have already bought the 10 game collection so we have to oh boy oh good god oh it's gonna be a long session if we do that <laughs> it's gonna be a long time because i haven't even started it's absolutely crazy that they made like three games and stopped it took a while between you know two and three but it happened Good thing there was nothing in between to confuse us. Oh, nothing in between. Certainly not on different consoles. Oh, don't worry about it. No, it's fine. Team, but Smash Bros. isn't canon to Kingdom Hearts. Don't worry about it. Don't worry. Uh, speaking of different consoles, I think something should be brought up about Smash's legacy, really, because uh, Smash Ultimate has uh, has been pretty impressive with how long it's been supported. I mean, it's been how many years since its uh, original launch? 2018, I think? Yeah, it's been going on pretty strong. Yeah, around three years. I think it came out a year after the Switch came out. I, I believe Sakurai, when presenting the final character, actually said, yeah, so if you were following this from the beginning, you, you would have gone through all of middle school and started high school by the time we were finished. God. Which is such an interesting way to put it. That is, honestly. It makes it into like a bit of a journey from the very beginning to the uh, the very end. I will say one thing. I mean, I kind of see Sora as going out with a bit of a bang. To be completely honest. I mean, it's kind of hard to go bigger than that. Oh, yeah. Unless it's Goku. Well, we're, we're not getting Goku. Unless it's Dante, but he's the f he became the fate of a me fighter. That that yeah. is unfortunate, but it's cool that they're there at all too. Like even without making full move sets, these characters are still getting representation in true. What is arguably a bigger <laughs> crossover than even Endgame. Yes, <laughs> frankly, 
I mean, Endgame big, but this kind of pulled out all the the, the stops or mm-hmm. stocks, if you will. <laughs> all right, calm down. Ah. You need to lay down <laughs> for a forever nap. Maybe. Okay. Time will uh, tell. I'll think about it after the session. Um. But yeah, I mean, uh, going beyond just the lifespan of Ultimate, uh, Smash Bros. as a franchise has also come a long way from the days of the N64. Yes. Really. The best version of Smash. Are you aware of how Smash 64 came about? Because it's kind of hilarious. Uh, It's a little fuzzy. Tell me. So, uh, Sakurai wanted to make this game. I forget what it was called. Like, Fighting Dragons or something. And it was all just Uh original characters. And as a joke, like, to kind of sell the idea of how some of these characters would move and fight, he put over, like, Donkey Kong fighting Link, I think. And they thought that was what he was actually presenting. Oh. <laughs> so oh. he accidentally created a crossover, and they're just like, oh, this is a good idea. He's like, wait, wait, no, that's not what I meant. Uh, uh, yes, no, this is what I meant to do. Oh, my God. So he, by pure accident, is sitting on one of the most successful game franchises. <laughs> there, I mean, there's a little more to it than that, but, like, in in a nutshell, it's... It was not what he intended to make, but it ended up being so much more. Right? Uh, my favorite thing that they've ever come out with in, from, I think, N64 Smash is that commercial of them dressed up as the characters and they just yeah. start fist fighting. Oh my god. <laughs> oh, I was going to bring that up if you didn't. That's iconic. For anyone who didn't own an N64, that commercial was such a a conflicting roller coaster of emotions because you're like, oh, that's so cool! But I have a PlayStation 1. Was that your experience, Ian? Uh, yes. Um, but, uh, Ian, you forget of an even more iconic commercial, and I know it's a little off feet, lateral left field, but <laughs> when... The bus driver has all the Pokemon on one bus, and then he puts it <laughs> in a trash compactor. <laughs> and he trash compacts them into a Game Boy. Oh, it's horrifying. It is. And it's like presenting itself as like kooky and funny, and it's kind of not... It's in the same vein, though, you know? No, I getcha. Because, I mean, in that same Smash commercial, they, they all just start slapping the shit out of each other. Yeah, yeah, they're, yeah, they they're start skipping like, it's funny. field and then just, just beat the crap out of it. I, I think... Mario like trips Pikachu or something. Yeah, doesn't one of them grab a chair like wrestling style? Yeah, someone over the head. One of them it? grabs a chair. I can't see me loving nobody but you. Bam! And then of course you know we would be skimming over one of the most competitive games in the fighting game community, Smash Bros. Melee. God help us all. Another yeah. accident. <laughs> of which Scott has so much indifference towards. I'm not a melee person. No, I do not like melee. Uh, I was really into brawl, to be honest. Uh, in my high school years, my twin especially because Ike was in it, and that's oh yeah, his favorite. Plus, brawl had a uh, subspace, which is unprecedented and unfortunately has never been done again. Don't don't yeah. hey Sam, don't you just love fighting Ike? You know, all he hears ether 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 hey my twin's really good with ike and it pisses me off <laughs> oh no yeah like it's just oh you you want to be here no you're over there now well for such a heavy character i don't know why all the heavy characters have such good recovery but that is again another time no ike has the best recovery in brawl i don't understand why does he specifically have the best recovery dude i don't know it's all that weight yeah, no. It's His just body is like a tower of Babel rising to the heavens. <laughs> it's just indicative of the Fire Emblem series. It's very mobile, very aerial kind of game. Uh, I get it because it's literally not in any way. <laughs> <laughs> ah, yes, the series in which you have so much control over the movement of your characters. Ah, uh, yes. Yeah, so Donkey Kong is just like chess, then, if we're comparing the two. Oh, absolutely. Yes. Well, okay. King me, absolutely. Have you played Donkey Kong Country? No, but I mean, then we, uh, 
We then transitioned into Smash 4 over on the uh, I Totally Owned It Wii U. It also had the DS port. I had the DS it did. port. Which was neat, having Smash Bros. on the go before you could, you know, have Smash Bros. on it the go. Permanently on the go with the Switch. <laughs> that's, I mean, that's the problem with Smash 4, is it immediately is followed by Ultimate, which is portable and has, like, everyone. Uh, yeah, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but is there really anything that Smash 4 has over Ultimate now? It had a... It had one game mode that's not an ultimate, but I forget what it's actually called. It had Smash Run, but that was only on the 3DS version, and they didn't even put it in the regular one. Smash Run was great. Yeah, that's about it. Yeah, I just... I don't have a whole concrete opinion on Smash 4, to be completely honest. You know? It existed and gave way to Ultimate. That's the only thing it did. Which barely needs any introduction. I mean, the the cast is massive. They had a lot of really good, like, quality of life stuff. But, I mean, the the amount of music and stages is crazy. It's There's not much to say beyond just it is the ultimate Smash. And now so many cool DLC characters capping off of Sora. It's just a good time. No, but James, in the competitive scene, Ultimate is not as good as Melee. No, it will never be as good. Don't ever say it'll ever be as good. You're wrong. You can't touch it. Even though it is so much better than Melee. Yeah, absolutely. It's better. Mm -hmm. Ultimate is just kind of more bang for your buck. It has more variety in characters and... Especially with the DLC characters that were coming out. I'm not going to lie. I, I didn't expect them to actually throw in Sephiroth, of all people. And Kazuya. That's just part of the uh, Kingdom Hearts lore. Sephiroth didn't appear in Kingdom Hearts 3, so he was hiding from Sora. Luckily, Sora was able to come back and give him his third beatdown that he required. I mean, yeah, it really is like a fanfic in the making, huh? I mean, yeah, you can. one of Sora's costumes is Kingdom Hearts 3, so yeah, it fits. You know what? Maybe the Kingdom Hearts was the friends we made along the way. It literally is, though. Uh, Isn't that the whole plot? Don't of Kingdom start talking Hearts? about friendship. You're giving me all kind of PTSD. Isn't that the whole point of Kingdom Hearts? Is like we can beat the darkness with friendship. Sora, the next time I hear you talk about friendship, I'm gonna take that Keyblade and put it where the sun don't shine. Speaking of friends, here we gotta speak of the friends who are absent. Especially with Sora. Yes, so Donald and Goofy are not officially in the game. Uh, unless you look real deep into Sinking Kingdom Hearts lore. But honestly, like the fact he's even in is amazing. Oh, yeah. It just would have been better if they were there, in my opinion. It could have really added yeah. to his final smash if they did Trinity. The, the, the only one. problem, though, is that if they were to get them in, that would probably put them back a whole nother couple million dollars. <laughs> I'm surprised the mouse head is even on his keychain. I really thought they were going to change it to his, like, crown pendant. Right? Mm-hmm. I think they paid around $400,000 to get Sora in. I, it's, wow. it's a lot. Whatever yeah. it is, it's more than they probably wanted to. Well, I mean, who cares? You're going to make so much money, doesn't matter. I would have figured Disney would be like, mm, make that a couple extra zeros and we'll talk about it. Well, that's speculation. We don't actually have the full numbers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll see. We will see. Anyhow. Someone will figure it out. Mm-hmm. Someone with yeah. the sources that I don't have. Indeed. Well, it's just nice seeing how far Smash Bros. has come, both as, like, uh... Ultimate being, well, the ultimate iteration of the franchise, but also just the franchise in general. I mean, right, yeah, it how is. much it's grown. It's grown uh, titanic, you could say. Bloated, maybe. Oh, yes. A titan of a franchise. A titan that, knowing Nintendo, they'll have in a capsule that will... Uh, exist even after earth is gone really reached for that huh is that what ae stands uh, for yes yes wait did you oh come on james look look we'll get into it uh well naturally ladies and gentlemen for those listening uh we are of course referencing 
Scott's recommended film for this week. That being uh, the 2000 Fox animation uh, sci-fi epic Titan A.E. Scott, give us a little idea of what this movie is about and why you picked it. Titan A.E. is a movie that I hold dearly to my heart. Mm -hmm. This episode is going to be rough for you. <laughs> yeah. I'm kidding, kidding. No, he's not. <laughs> I'm the only one who likes it still. I get it. Um, hey, don't assume things. No, I am assuming. Uh, Titan AE is a movie where it follows the main protagonist, Kale, who is the son of a man who created basically a spaceship that could create a second Earth. If the main earth gets blown up basically it can create a planet um and an alien race known as the dredge come and blow it up uh so basically his father gives him a ring and that's the key to find it because he hit it by the way spoiler warning yeah spoiler warning yes so Aside from just really liking the movie, though, Scott, uh, was there any other particular reason you decided to settle on this movie? Uh, well, I I wanted to look and I wanted to basically watch again to see if I still liked it as much as I did growing up. Because I watched it a lot when I was a kid. Right. And um, where did that leave you? I still like it. Okay. I still, okay. I still like this movie. I... I enjoy my time watching it every time, and it's still good in my opinion. Um, I like the design of the ships. I like some of the design of the aliens, and I love the design of the dredge. Yes. I think they're very scary. I, I will say pure energy alien beings is a very fascinating concept, and they do a lot with it. Yeah. Very good power source. Yes. Well. Mm -hmm. I do have to ask, Scott... Um, mm -hmm. Do you like it any more than you remember liking it as a kid? I think it's, it's still a just steady same uh, like. I mean, there are, of course, better movies. I'm not arguing that. But I still mm -hmm. I still say this is still in my top 15 favorite movies of all time. Oh, okay. All righty. So it's in your favorites list. All right. Yeah, yeah, it's still, still there. It hasn't moved. Good. <laughs> Got you. All right. Well... Uh, that's nice to hear. That's good. It's very, very good. Now here's the part that I've been dreading. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry. I, I, I won't, uh, you know, curb stomp the movie you love so... Oh, well, it's we, not you I'm worried about. It's the other Yeah, two. no, no, no. I, I'm, I'm not going to recreate the, uh, the Rocketeer session where that's basically what's going on. Everyone gangs up. <laughs> even Ooh. though, even though, full disclosure, I don't see it like that. I was just a little surprised of like uh, how critical a lot of you guys were of that. But um, Titan AE, my thoughts. Uh, you had actually recommended this to me, um, I think two years ago, and yes. I watched it. I gave you the DVD, and you took me like it took you like six months to get it back. I, I know, because I forgot I had it, and I misplaced it, and it was in, like, a bag that I used once for some reason, and I remember liking it, but not as a overall product, you know, not the full picture. I, I liked concepts, and I thought areas of it were cool, but when, um, especially uh, after I kind of did a little bit of digging on this movie... Uh, especially considering this is one of those late 90s, early 2000s uh, animated box office failures uh, in the same vein of, say, like the Iron Giant or uh, to a lesser extent, but still technically a failure, um, Atlantis, The Lost Empire. This movie, as opposed to those other two I listed, I, uh, I can entirely see why. Um has some issues that really plague it from being entirely solid and i think the big thing for me while i liked a lot of the world it was painting i liked you know many aspects of the animation uh you can tell this is a don bluth animated movie by the way don bluth 
was involved with that. He was one of the creative heads, along with Gary Goldman. Everything else outside of that, I thought, really needed a facelift. Uh, and really, it it's the characters. Uh, they, they start off with decent enough introductions, but they just don't go from there. Like, at all. And considering how there's clearly some efforts to give them something to do, try and establish, I guess, you know, arcs and stuff like that with them, you know, find their place in the story, it, it, it just, it just, ah, it wasn't handled as great as it probably should have been, and it leaves a lot of their interactions a little empty, you know? I mean, they have good quips, they have decent enough dialogue, it's just none of it ever feels like it truly builds a connection between them, and because of that, it also just doesn't build much of a connection with me. So yeah, that that's where I stand. Um, Sam, how about you? Because you were one of the first people I kind of had a brief discussion about the film, and I wanted to know if your thoughts have changed a little bit. Uh, I thought it was overall... All right. That's a okay. decent voice acting. Animation wasn't bad by any stretch of the imagination. Oh, voice acting good, yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm just going to go over a couple positives because obviously I, my thoughts are mostly negative upon it. The positives is, as you said, it paints. It does paint a pretty picture. It does have a very cool aesthetic for the universe, the characters, the alien races. It, it, there's obviously some creativity to it. There really is. The story is a unique perspective. Is one in which the human race kind of already lost in a way, which is a very cool mm-hmm. idea. Of course, it's got that you know that final hope thing that many of these sci-fi stories carry. But I, I like how it starts in such a bleak position. It's it's very unique to it, and I can't think of a lot of movies that do something similar. Maybe like Pandorum, that's but that's a that's a horror movie. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> um, I, so another thing I really did like is the general idea of what the ship could do. This Titan AE, what's so cool about it? This, you know, like well, how is it going to save the human race? And when spoiler alert, we, this is already said. Turns out it could make a planet. I didn't see that coming, and I thought that was a very cool idea. Granted, it is kind of telegraphed looking back because it keeps saying, "Oh yeah," the, you know, all the characters saying, "Oh yeah, human," uh, you know, we need a home. Our planet was blown up, so I probably should have seen it coming, but you know what? It took me by surprise. So overall, if I had very general thoughts, it was okay. It wasn't great. I'm not going to say it's like a movie you have to see, but it was it was still mm-hmm. competent enough to be an enjoyable viewing experience. Yeah. Um, so I would, like Sam said, there, there's a lot of nitty-gritty that we could probably get dig deep into, but I, I suppose it is worth noting uh, and Scott, you might appreciate this. I have in my notes around the midsection. Uh, let's see, where's the exact? Ah, uh, this movie. Uh, I would have loved this movie if I had seen it as a kid. Ah, uh. <laughs> uh, there, there is a lot to, and I'm, I'm not saying that as like, oh, this is something only kids can enjoy. There, there's a lot to, to grab onto. The Don Bluth animation is just beautiful. Like it. The way he draws characters is very cool. A lot of the uh, world building for what little they focus on is actually pretty interesting. Uh, A thing I've noticed is every time that a unique character is brought up or has a speaking role, there will be another, like, member of their race somewhere in the background in any given scene. So, like, they, they at least kind of thought huh. through where, like, how these species are supposed to look, uh, which I find really cool. Uh, and again, the uh, the dredge, the the aliens that are made of pure energy that are hunting humanity, they, they, they look really cool. The fact that they kind of meld into their ships, and then their ships can, like, instead of landing, just become the bigger mothership is really interesting. Uh, so th- there's a lot of nice things to go. The the voice acting is pretty good, with the exception of one character I'll get into when we get in the nitty gritty. I have a feeling I know which one. Yeah. Um. But uh, no, overall, there's there's a sense of like wonder to everything. They they really mm-hmm. really play up the like 
oh, we're, we're all in space, there's infinite possibilities, and we're just out on an adventure. You really do get that feeling. Uh, and I, I think that's all I can really say without getting into specifics, which I think we're going to go into now. Yes, and okay. I figure just to let loose, we'll just say right now this is where we'll get into spoilers. Well, we already kind of spoiled the ending, but... Well, right, right, but <laughs> still. If I had to start anywhere, the big problem for me, as I was mentioning before, um, the characters. I don't think... Uh, it's like a combination of them not being established enough to me, but also not having much story prominence you know They're... like it really does feel like sometimes they, they are just kind of there to have some semblance of a crew and they don't add much to the end and even the ones that do get focused that their relationships don't feel natural they feel a little rushed and sort of weak there was one thing i didn't quite understand throughout most of the film which is kind of explained later during the third act betrayal but they play up that the uh the titan the the big ship they're looking for is super important to the survival of humanity but they never really explain why the aliens want to find it and i don't mean the dredge like the rest of the crew yeah that was one weird thing is we we do understand that this crew is with uh captain curso i believe his name is right yeah curso it's obvious why he wants it because you know he he's a human kale's a human they're they they need to find this for their species but like the weird turtle guy or the the kangaroo lady with the guns i don't really know why they are there yeah we don't really get a motivation for the pilot crew and why they follow the captain at all on on this apparently very dangerous mission against these incredibly hostile alien species yeah well, to, to kind of highlight Mr. Captain Not Han Solo, um, when we're on the topic of motivation, I don't know what his motivation was in particular with, um, and this is kind of going into the whole spoiler stuff, uh, he reveals that he's actually working with the Dredge, which kind of comes out of left field, and it's just like, oh, okay, th now, now the plot thickens and all that. To me, it wasn't all that clear as to why, but the, the more confusing part is why all of a sudden he just decides in the final act, uh, oh, hey, I'm actually going to help you now. He also has the most botched assassination scene I have ever seen, where he literally puts a bomb in the people he's trying to kill's hands. It goes off in front of them, and it still doesn't kill them. Yeah, nice little no. firecracker there. It was kind of hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> Corso is an interesting character. He's kind of cool in the beginning, where like he's super gung ho about because like Kale doesn't even care about humanity at the start of the movie, right? He's like, "Well, we had our time, and you know, we we finished this." And Corso's the one convincing him to do this, but then at the end of the movie, he's basically saying the same things. Like, "No, we're screwed. I might as well just get paid." and, like, live out the rest of my life. But the the Dredge are so anti-human, I don't know why they'd make a deal with him in the first place, even if they do also betray him. Yeah, that was the other confusing part. There, uh, there was a conversation right before Kale finds out that uh, he's working with the Dredge, where, like, he, he's talking about the hope of humanity, and also, like, oh, yeah, you, you got the same spirit your dad does, and that's that's good, and that's great, and I miss it. And the, the next scene when, you know, Kale finds out and, you know, Corso's like, oh, by the way, I'm, I'm actually a bad guy. Then he's just like, oh, yeah, your dad was a loser. He was an idiot. Yeah, screw him. I'm just, okay. But again, and then All like, right. his number two pulls a gun on him and he's like, I'm also getting paid if I kill all of you. Like, yeah, you worked with aliens that hate your species. How'd you not see that coming? <laughs> you think they'll let you go? I, right. I don't fully understand how energy, like, beings work, though, because for them working together, they were able to shoot down a lot of their ships. Yeah. And they all died in one hit. Like, to a regular blaster could take down a full fighter jet. 
Yeah, I'm also going to be honest. Uh, the antagonists, or antagonistic force, whatever you want to, you know, refer to it. Uh, the Dredge, uh, they needed way more development. Because, um, you know, it, it's neat that they're pure energy, and they look decent in their design, but we don't get a very solid motivation as to why they want to kill humanity. The best we get is in the intro where they say, oh yeah, we were af afraid of humans growing and becoming something we couldn't, you know, go up against. And I'm sorry, that that's something where if you just leave it at that, you need to elaborate a little more. You have to, mm -hmm. like, show some side stuff that humans did to make them go, like, if they get any worse than this thing they did, then, you know, go from there. And, yeah, they're just yeah. a very weak set of antagonists i i'll admit it was kind of cool in the beginning to see like straight up space racism where like everyone's space on the humans because they've already lost but <laughs> it never really goes deeper than that and i was wondering if they were going to delve into that for to explain the motivations like why does the galaxy hate humans so much like uh i was asking the same thing was it because um prior to Earth being destroyed, were humans already traveling outside of the galaxy? And when they were, they were acting all entitled, which would maybe be a metaphor for how uh, previous civilizations were like that on Earth, just kind of waltzing up to places and saying, oh, hey, um, it's ours now because we say so. I mean, it's that kind of stuff where it could have established the, you know, situation a bit better. The, the problem that so many aliens have with the humans... Um, and also, if the humans were spreading throughout the galaxy, maybe the dredge with their whole thing of like, oh yeah, we don't want them to grow, maybe that could be another thing that could add to why they want to, you know, wipe out all of humanity before they spread out too much into the galaxy. But from what we're given, it seems like humans were just kind of keeping to themselves on Earth. So, if they're keeping to themselves, why do you feel the need to kill them? <laughs> I would have wanted to uh, a better understanding of how the dredge are looked at in the universe, because at the beginning right. of the movie, it almost felt like they were the the big shots. Like when they jump into that yeah. uh, uh, that cafeteria, everyone hides, and they, they it's it's like when the cop comes in and they're like, "You're coming with me," um, but then they mm -hmm. just straight up execute that weird mantis dude and. I'm wondering, do they just hate everything? I don't know. I don't. It, but uh, the, I mean, obviously, underdeveloped characters are kind of the the forefront of this. Um, if we uh, can go into some of the other crew, I I would be remiss if I didn't talk about the main female lead. Uh, what was her name? Akima. Akima, yeah. I don't know what was going on. Everyone else's voice direction was pretty on point, but I, I don't know if she just couldn't quite deliver what they were trying to go for, but it sounded like the actress herself was just incredibly bored and subdued for the entire movie. I was kind of thinking the same thing. Yeah. And Which, it's... again, I, I mean, it, it's just so jarring because if I had to still give this movie... A big upside, much like Sam was mentioning earlier, uh, the performances from each of the actors is actually pretty solid. Everybody seemed like they were into their roles. They were uh, enthusiastic with their delivery. And I think that certainly helps with the adventure of things, you know, how the banter comes off. But no, Akima. I don't know what was going on with her either. She just seemed pretty disinterested. Well, we have been back-to-back uh, -back kind of uh, harping on this. Uh, I'm not Scott, done. I would like to ask you. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, you've been pretty quiet. But no, Scott, you should probably get a turn in to like, punch back a bit. Mm -hmm. Yeah, kind of like I had a chance to do with the Rocketeer. I think it's only natural. Yes. Me. Hello. Hi, this is a movie that you regard pretty highly. I, yes. I'd love to hear more of your perspective on it. Like, just in general, or the characters? 
Ah, well, let's start with the characters. What is it that you like about the characters? Well, I like a lot of the characters because I personally think they're all well acted, as you guys said, and well drawn. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, I like that they all have distinct personalities as well. Um, Mm -hmm. They all have a dynamic that I can get behind. And they're, they're like, easily identifiable in, like, apart from other characters that I notice from other animation uh, movies that I can't really identify between the others. Sure, the silhouette test is pretty strong. Yeah. Um, World building is great. I like a lot of the aliens, as Sam was saying, they're all very well handled. Uh, Corso is still one of my favorite characters. (laughs) Interesting. Uh, you care to de- delve deeper into that? Because uh, it sounds like all of us are a little confused by what he's trying to bring to the table. Uh, well, I think his betrayal is well handed, handled. I don't know why I said okay. handed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> handed. Even handed, if you will. Handed you the betrayal. Um, I mean, because it's been a little while since I had seen this movie between now when I watched it versus eight years ago and i kind of forgot he betrayed them and i still was surprised oh that's interesting okay. okay what was so surprising about it it's just that because like they're akima and kale were talking and they overhear kale screaming at the dredge and then mm-hmm. they find out that yeah, way and then uh oh god i forget his name uh yeah i, I have to remember a lot of these names <laughs> i forget his name uh keek <laughs> i'm probably saying like, <laughs> like metal plate on his head is that the guy? yeah yeah, yeah. And he just throws him into the room and it's like yeah these guys were just spying on you what do we want to do with them kill them yeah let's do it and also james just to clarify it was the i forget his name character who put the bomb on a stitch yeah it wrist. was him but like I, I don't know, that, that scene stood out to me because I thought it was funny that they, they tried to avoid the bomb. They still both right. get caught in the explosion and it doesn't actually kill them. Just goes to show how incompetent he is. He can't yeah. even make a bomb right. Which sort of is an extension of an earlier scene where he's trying to shoot a little cricket and that little thing keeps on dodging his bullets. Yeah, he's just an incompetent character. I... But he I, I, regards himself so highly. He's almost like a star scream, if you will. Yeah, basically. I hate to continue to harp like on one. it, but in service to the incompetence of the antagonist, I'd be remiss if I didn't talk about the uh, the mirror scene. Oh, the ice field scene. They're they're like, yeah. oh, they're all in this this big ice crystals are everywhere, and oh, we can't track them because the reflections are throwing off our sensors. And the the movie is like playing it up as oh they're they're using the reflections to confuse them they don't know where they are but they always do like I, it, there there isn't a single point where like they're just standing there until they move out of the ice field and they're like oh they're over there and then they just keep chasing them and the whole scene was kind of dead on arrival for me okay. Well, that's interesting, because if I could say one thing, I actually thought that sequence was one of the more memorable ones. But I, I, I think the scenario it's um, establishing probably could have been handled a bit better. I do agree. I, I guess it was a little easy for them to just pinpoint where they specifically were and the, 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 the throw-off of like, oh, they're over there because of the reflections. No, they're over here. I guess it's kind of the idea of, I know what they're doing. Right, they're doing the the funhouse mirror scene in every movie where they're like, "Oh, I'm taunting you, and you're seeing my reflection." And they shoot, and then like the mirror disappears, right? Uh huh. But it's harder to do that with giant ships because you can still kind of see them, and right. you can just follow and I will them say out that of it. The attempt, the attempt is unique. Uh, the execution probably could have been done better. Mm-hmm. And granted, I mean, uh, there is some semblance of tension because those giant ice crystal things that are just ginormous in size, they, they keep shifting and nearly, like, crushing them as they're trying to, like, evade um, the larger ship, but... 
Yeah, the uh, it gets a little stale. The like meteor shower part was good, or cluster part was good, but the the reflection part like sent me off a little. And I think execution was really where this movie fails, unfortunately. I think the biggest case of this is in the main character. Now he don't get me wrong, I'm not gonna say he's like an awful main character by any stretch of the imagination. But I think there was really a problem in his development where he started off a bit too unlikable. Granted, I can okay. understand. You get the sense right away. His plan is just died in front of him. His father, quote unquote, left him. And he's apparently been living the last 15 years in a human hellhole. So I, I, I understand. But I, I feel like they changed it a little bit too last minute. It's like he goes to New, ba- uh, New Bangkok. And all of a sudden, oh yeah, things kind of sucks for humans. Like that's where it really clicks. Yeah. Granted, the movie's not a long one, so I understand it. And it just kind of happens. It feels like, but that's not to say that I, it's a hundred percent bad. At least he shows development. You know what I mean? Maybe yeah. it's not. Maybe it's not as gradual as one would be like. Maybe it's not realistic, but at least it happens. And really think think about. The sudden change in Corso, where he's like, all of a sudden, by the way, I'm fucking betraying humanity, let's go. I, I do like that dynamic, how there's a character swap, where Corso comes in, and he's like this human, you know, he's like Commander Shepard, going to save humanity and shit. And he, he really represents what the main character will become, in a sense. They kind of trade mm-hmm. traits, yeah. Yeah, maybe a little kick, less kiss-ass, because let's be honest, Corso's the most baddest character in the movie. Cause he just oh, fucking he snaps that alien's neck at the end like a bad. Uh, yeah, that's the other thing. This movie actually had a bit of an edge to it that uh, at first was a little jarring, but I actually got used to it, and I guess a little refreshing, you know, because mm-hmm. it, it doesn't go too far. That's actually a good point that I uh, I was going to touch on in my notes. It feels like at least for the first half of the movie, Corso is actually the main character. Kale doesn't really have a lot of agency. Like, things just happen to him, and he doesn't make a lot of choices. Um, we- I'm going to disagree a little bit, because he does decide to fix the ship at the end and try to be somewhat of a oh, hero. Yeah, I mean, in the well, first half is what I mean. Like, oh, yeah, halfway fair through the movie, I thought, oh, wow, why isn't why aren't we just following Corso the whole time? And then the betrayal <laughs> happens, and then Kale has to be the main character. Fair enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if I had to... Uh... Give one last little bit of positive praise. I, I will say of all the performances, I actually liked Matt Damon the most as Kale. Because mm. mm-hmm. with with him, Kale may not have the best foundation for character writing, but Matt Damon playing him uh, with how he's um, voicing a lot of his, not angst, but just like indifference, uh, just from his vocal performance alone, I can just easily say in full confidence yeah this this is the kind of person kale is and uh there have been a few times where i've seen films where i don't get that purely on their uh performance and it's especially harder with animation too because you know um the animation comes after the performance in the case of north american animated films so I think it's pretty impressive uh, coming from that perspective. It should go with saying, though, that uh, what wasn't so impressive was the box office returns of this movie. And uh, the reason I pointed that out was because because of how much went into this movie and how little it returned. It was deemed such a failure when it came to uh, getting revenue back that uh, the Fox Animation Studios were actually shut down shortly afterwards. Not that long afterwards. That's an achievement by itself. Uh, I I even found in the little production notes that uh, over 300 animation staff were laid off from the studio in 1999, and as a result, much of the film's animation actually had to be, like, sent out to uh, independent studios to finish which is unfortunate because, I don't know, the, the animation was pretty solid, uh, much like any other Don Bluth animated piece. Some of the best animation I find is in the characters, you know, how they inhabit the space and how they, they move, how yeah. they gesture during certain things. That's always been a staple of uh, his um, his work. 
a 2D animation in general is not in a great place at the moment, too. So it's always unfortunate to see, you know, one of the bigger names fall. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know, if I had to say one thing, uh, if I was older, maybe around the same age I am now, and I saw this movie come out in uh, in 2000, though I probably wouldn't have been all that impressed by it, I would have probably said, you know, I'm at least happy a movie like this came out, because it's at least unique in some way, and though it wasn't the biggest success... I just appreciate the fact that something like this came out and it was also animated because this kind of tone and style of um, world and, uh, you know, story, you don't always see in uh, animation. It's usually toned back and it, it was at least somewhat refreshing to see a slightly, you know, for lack of a better term, edgier tonality in a sci-fi animated movie but to wrap up our thoughts on titan ae i think we'll go ahead and go into recommendations before i share mine sam would you recommend this movie that's you know what believe it or not that's a tough one to answer yeah because how do i I put this i don't think it's a movie you have to see like i said in the beginning it's it's not like necessary. It's not like a cinematic masterpiece. Granted, not all the movies we talk about are truly like you know Citizen Kane or anything. If you're looking for a decent time, you know, and you got like an hour and a half to spare, there's worse ways to spend it than watching Titan AE. There's there's some good right. things about it. There really are, but I can't really, in full confidence, say, hey, like I said, this is, this is something you need to see. Titan AE is a decent film that. Killed us, uh, animation studio. And, you know, <laughs> a little I, unfortunate. I can't blame anyone for falling in love with it. If you, it, it well, there's a lot of movies that came out at the right time for me when I was young, like Twister and Dante's Peak. Aren't great movies, but I still love them. And I can't blame Scott for loving it. It's got cool sci-fi shit. I have to love cool sci-fi shit. I just didn't see it at the right time. So I can respect Scott's mm-hmm. decision, saying he'll probably recommend it. But I'm, I'm if I had to pick yes or no, would I recommend it? I'd, I'd say yes. I would lean more towards the yes. I would recommend it. It's still a good time. Okay. How about you, James? Uh, in, in kind of a similar vein to you, Sam, I, I would not recommend this as a full film, but I would recommend this as, perchance, uh, a, a film worth studying, if that makes sense. Uh, the the actual plot of the film aside, the animation is still beautiful, and I don't want that to go completely to waste. So I guess mm-hmm. if I have to just like commit to something, I'd say I'd recommend watching like the the highlights of this movie and like clips or something. But the full film, I wouldn't give a hundred percent recommendation if that makes sense. And before I top things off, uh, Scott. How about you? I would recommend this movie. Okay. I guess on one hand it comes as no surprise, but I also yeah. wanted to ask. Because, you know, we are discussing this, and uh, as we've had in uh, previous episodes, our thoughts about something have changed the more we uh, discussed it in these conversations and all that. I am so. still firm. Good. good okay, on. and you know what? That's good. That's good. You know, uh, the last thing I wanted is for you to feel bad for recommending it because I, I still got something out of it. And as one last bit of like compliment to it, uh, the sound mix is good. Um, it was another film from the uh, 90s, my favorite era of the studio. Um, Skywalker Sound was once again responsible for the sound mix. Um, and honestly, it's roughly around that era that I'm a fan of their work, roughly in that little time period, 90s, 2000s, all that. Um, yeah, we all know why. <laughs> we, I don't even know why. Uh, it, it just has more texture and it sounds better compared to what I hear nowadays. Nowadays, it's, it's good, but it doesn't have that same dynamic energy that it used to have back in the day um but 
overall, for my recommendation, I say watch Treasure Planet instead. Damn. Okay. Fucking I, I know, brutal. I know. I know, I know, but the reason I say that is because uh, I sort of thought about this, especially with, like, the story beats, the kind of setting that it has, character development, uh, something I realized is, well, wait, hang on a second, Titan AE does the exact, well, not the exact same story, but a very similar story that Treasure Planet does, the difference being, though, Treasure Planet was much better at telling that story. And had, you know, the funding of the Catholic Church. Ah, <laughs> uh, that, that, that too. Which, granted, I mean, this, this movie had a decent enough budget, but it was also, uh, Treasure Planet was another film that combined 2D with 3D, and in, in most scenarios throughout the movie, I thought it implemented it a bit better. Um, but also, Treasure Planet had what I feel Titan AE lacked, and that was um, the uh, character development, you know? So I just see, you know, Treasure Planet as, um, you know, it, it, it just slightly... Uh, okay, well, I'm being dishonest, not slightly. It, I, I very much prefer uh, Treasure Planet to it. I find it much higher quality, if I'm being honest. But that doesn't mean Titan AE is pointless, you know, it's funny you say that. I I thought a lot of the same beats were hit from Atlantis, but I was told that came out after this one. Uh, right, right. It was a and, stepping uh, stone for greatness. Oh yes. <laughs> but yeah, that that's my standpoint. Um, I say if you're a big fan of uh, '90s 2000s animation, I say watch it anyway. But as a general moviegoer. Uh, I can't fully recommend it in good confidence. Now, speaking of things recommended in good confidence, we do have uh, another recommendation for next uh, week. W which one would that be? So, this one requires a little bit of a setup. So, mm -hmm. imagine a young, roughly five or six-year-old Sam Gronhoff in the year 2001 or 2002, I cannot remember exactly, in his older brother's room. It's dark out, it's late, at least late for a young child, and he's watching his older brother's TV that he has, a little corner TV, those small ones that used to use the uh, the plugins rather than the HDMI's. And he's he's watching this weird cartoon. It, it, he it must be the end of it because there's a lot of action going on, but he doesn't really understand what's going on. It was on channel 15, and it, it was a young. What he was seeing was a young girl and a young boy in a, on this giant building. There's some animation, and. He, for years, he thought this was a dream, until he found out the name of what this animation was. Ooh. A diesel punk dystopian anime by the name of Metropolis. Oh. Yeah, I did not know I was going to be the anime movie guy, but here we are. <laughs> <laughs> More, please, honestly. And here we are. The dream has awakened. And this time... Indeed. ...involves you, the viewers... And my fellow co-hosts. Of course. Very but, poetic, Sam, I have to say. You could Thank even you. say that was a pretty insightful moment. Yeah, okay, wow. <laughs> now we have to, now we have to end it here. Yes, no. we do. No more. We can't top that. Goodbye, everybody. Bye -bye. Tune in next time and Farewell. take care. And see an animation with some real fucking budget. <laughs> All right, till then, au revoir. Be -be 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 -be.